I'm Katie. I'm Liz, and we're Not Not Your Your Mommy. Mommy. Hello, everybody. We have a beautiful friend with us here today, Alex Damore. She is a writer. She's a mom to Rocky and also soon to be another little being. And by the time this podcast goes live, she will have launched her sub stack on our moon. And you also forgot to mention she is like a TikTok queen. Oh, yeah, of course. She's a star of TikTok. Oh, yes. I do. She's a star of my algorithm, I will say. She's a star of my algorithm. Well, I'm honored. I'm honored. I I feel like I don't post enough to be considered that, but um, I do spend an insane amount of time on the app, which is like I I don't ever look at my – the phone stats because it just terrifies oh, me. I know, oh, yes. No. I know. Okay. You know what I was thinking about? Actually, I wanted to ask you, so I'll just come out the gate with it. Um, we've been like getting some good traction, nothing compared to what you got um, on some of our podcast reels on Instagram. And I'm like addicted to looking at what the stats are and like what our views are. How, like, how do you manage that with yourself? Like, are you always looking at like what your TikTok views are? Or are you just like so, mm. you just assume everything's going to go viral? You're like, I don't even look. Uh, I, I definitely don't assume things go viral. I think when I st- like I'm I partially I'm mad at myself that I didn't post more on TikTok when I was like trying to convince all my friends to get on it, which was in right. 2020, 2021. Um, or sorry, no, 2021. Yes, yeah, around there. Like I I was on the app all the time, and I it was it was a completely different time. I really do miss that that time of TikTok. Yeah. Well, first of all, the shop wasn't there and that has Mm -hmm. just ruined the app. Um, I don't think we have as much shopping on the Canadian version. I don't think so either. It's crazy. It's like every other video is someone like promoting like a broom or like (laughs) just like the dumbest shit where you're like, I don't care about this. Like, just give me the funny, give me the serious stories. I don't even care, but just the consumerism on the app now is is insane. But anyways, I was trying to convince my friends to get on it. And at that time, like had I had I really thought it through, I think I would have um, made more content then. But I think it's it's really hard to go viral now. It's not it's not as easy as it was like around that time because there's, there's so many more people on it. And I think the algorithm has just changed so much. Do you find yourself going on and looking at what your views are? Um, definitely what my, because it's quite I don't look at the stats. I just know that it's like 95% female and that's really all I care about. Um, um, do I look at the views? Yeah. I mean, I will like, sometimes I post a video that I think is really good and it gets no views and that definitely. And sometimes I think it's like a glitch and you have to repost it. But mm-hmm. I have this weird thing where I'm I'm like, well, I don't want the like 100 people that saw it to like know I reposted it. It's like this weird, dumb ego thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I got that. But yeah, I, I, I'm always surprised by the videos that like, like there's a video on my TikTok where I talked about Will Smith giving parenting advice and advice oh. that I really resonated with. And it got it got over three million views of basically like people being like, you shouldn't take advice from Will Smith. And so when I posted that, I I think people really think like everyone's intention when you post is to go viral. But in my experience, it's the worst. Like go like having your TikTok get twenty five to fifty thousand views is like the sweet spot because you those are people yeah. who are engaging with what you're saying, and so mm-hmm. usually they're adding to the conversation. But when your video really 
like gets into those numbers, you're, you're dealing with like, I don't know what type of human that is. Cause I haven't met um, them in real life. Trolls, right? Like people who, I mean, people I, say they're bots, but, but they're real people that just, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know what like subcategory of human this is, but oh it's, you know, it's a conversation on TikTok right now, but like critical thinking and, and how we're communicating on TikTok doesn't even feel like, you know, a tangible thing. It just feels like people have a thought and they just immediately. Oh, I know. Okay. I also have to say that you posted this video and it, I feel like you're almost like my blueprint um, in motherhood in a way that you're a few years ahead of me. And it's been really like, I'm so grateful for everything that you share. And I love your slice of life, just little quick snippets. And one of them was you posting your, you guys getting home from a grocery. I think I commented, I think we went back and forth. You probably don't remember, but it really meant a lot to me, but you... <laughs> got home from grocery shopping and she was helping you unload everything. And then you were putting it all in the, into the cupboards yes. and the fridge and everything. And I think I was even pregnant when I first saw mm. that, or maybe had like a lump of a baby at that point. And I, that <laughs> like, I love grocery shopping. I love like, you know, filling my cupboards, I love cooking, like anything to do with the kitchen. And so I just like held on to that as like, mm. maybe, you know, maybe I'll get to do that one day. And you know, you do that as a pre-mom or like a new mom yeah. like think that you know Liz talks about all the time like she thought she'd like sit at coffee shops and eat croissants her whole <laughs> motherhood and like that just didn't actualize but this is what one thing that I really held on to and it has actualized mm. like he loves when I come home from the grocery store he like he like waits for me to like mm. put the bags down on the ground and then he pulls everything out and it's like my favorite thing in the entire world and it's like yeah just something we can do together I, so, I love that that's like one of my favorite TikToks I posted just with the music too like that yeah it's such a cute video um and she was so little then but yeah sometimes I mean it's just unfortunate that TikTok is such more than Instagram that TikTok is such a dark place and um I had one video of Rocky go viral uh it got like two point five million views in 24 hours. This was like a year and a half ago. And that was really the start of me. I deleted the video within 24 hours. And that was really the start of me not sharing her. And then I started sharing her in like kind of more like obscure ways. But the yeah, it's unfortunate because I'd love to share, not necessarily share her more, but just those snippets, you know, of like grocery yeah, shopping, like things that we're doing together. But I think every time I post her, even if it's like she's kind of in the background, I end up deleting it like a week or two or a month later. Um, mm. and it's, so what is it? Like, what is it that's coming up for you where you're like, I, I don't feel I comfortable with this? More than Instagram. I mean, Instagram is really messed up. And like, if you go down the like rabbit hole of um, parent led accounts that like run the 12, like the 12 and 10 year old accounts on Instagram, it's it's really dark and essentially what some parents are doing on Instagram is, I mean, tra like trafficking their kid through like mm -hmm. paid, like mm -hmm. there's like memberships. You like pay to be a member. Yes. It's, 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 I do not. That's the world I'm with, scared like, of. Young babies to look into this because I, when I did, I went to like a, a really dark place. Um, but TikTok is absurd in, um, again, you don't know what's going to go viral. And it's absurd in like um, just the people. I feel like it, because things on Instagram don't go viral in the same way, you're kind of just dealing with the people that follow you. 
And for mm-hmm. the most part, people aren't like hating on you if they're following. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. In my experience, Instagram is a lot more supportive. And then TikTok, the people that follow you are supportive. But because your videos go can go viral, you're just dealing with crazy people. And I just don't want to. I guess I, I've really come to terms with the fact that it's my job as a parent to protect her and her spirit. And I don't even want anyone like addressing, like even sending like a bad thought her way, you know, yeah, spiritually. Yeah. She's like unaware of it. But I, I believe on some levels, spiritually, like there, there's an impact, you know? Yeah, yeah 100%. We talk a lot on this podcast about there's so many layers or so many levels of comfort in like we're like the first generation to go through this feeling of like yeah do we share a world but do we share our children and like Mm -hmm. what's that impact on them and we just haven't necessarily like I think some of the early mommy bloggers and things were starting to those kids are starting to turn 18 and they're starting to talk about that Mm -hmm. um but it it, there's such a variance in everyone's level of comfort. And I think also not everyone has gone down those dark holes. Like I've been down that as well. I think, and once you get into that algorithm and TikTok, you start learning like just some of the moms who kind of show you the bread trail of things that they've seen. Like they see one person follow them and then they see that they comment on the photo with their daughter and then they go look at who else they follow and then they go and look at their Pinterest and then they see all the photos they pinned, like those kind of things. And I'm like, that to me, that's why I'm like, before I had a child, I said, no way, my child's face will never be on the internet until mm-hmm. he chooses to. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, then I had the child and I was one, I was like, I want every single human being to know this of person course. and fall in love with this person the way I am. And now I'm in, and I still, I, I have like three photos of my child on the internet, but I still will like post something and then delete it like two days later. I know that, um, that is, <laughs> it's, yeah, I even have it on Instagram way less just because again, I feel like the people that follow me on Instagram, it, I, I've been on it for so long and there's this, there is a real sense of community. Like you said, we've like DM'd about a bunch of stuff. Like I, I know the handles. I, mm-hmm. um, and so I just made my Instagram private cause I didn't necessarily want to delete all of it, all of that stuff. Yeah. But I did make it private. But I do struggle sometimes with even videos on Instagram because sometimes I'll post it like once I'm I'm not on Instagram a lot, but sometimes I'll post a video of her um, like, I guess, publicly, like on just like regular, yeah. regular stories. And it just doesn't feel good. So I'll just do private friends. And that that has felt like a good compromise because... Yeah, yeah, close friends to me feels good. It feels like, okay, this is like my family album for the people I trust. And it doesn't yeah. even have to be close friends. It could be like, you know, a mom acquaintance that I've like met once, yeah. but like I trust her, you know? Yeah, like, and also with the close friends, I feel like it's just so nice. Like it's just, it's so hard to stay in touch with friends that... Yeah. I have my three best friends. We talk all the time, but other than that, it's it's yeah. really hard to find the time to really catch up with anyone else. And so I feel like this, I love seeing their kids on Instagram. It makes yeah. me feel closer to them. And so I know they feel the same way, but it just, mm-hmm. the, the dark side of social media just sucks so much that you, and also because Rock is so funny and like, I just like, I just know she would like if she, if I posted her every day she would be like a star on TikTok cuz she's just yeah. she's so funny you know and so I feel you know you see those kids on TikTok they just have yeah. that personality she is kind of like that but yeah again like what you said about your son too like it's just it's my job to protect them and they can make that decision and I think it already like I'm starting to have those thoughts about myself too like 
you know, Liz and I, like, even when we write, it's like, okay, well, what right, are we really yes. comfortable? Even like writing about motherhood, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. but what am I a comfortable saying? Like, this is also her story. Like we're in it together. And I more than ever have become like really mindful about her privacy, my husband's privacy too, because I would mm-hmm. share everything on Instagram. And I never really thought about it until until this like past year, even like write, I write about my family and I look back at some of my old writing and I'm like, fuck, like that's out there for everyone to read. And mm-hmm. I struggle with it sometimes because again, it's like, it's, it's their life too. And I've now my, I, even though I'm sharing my truth, I'm like also impacting someone's view of, of that person, you know? Yeah. Totally. This is a struggle we have too. And I sometimes say to Liz, like, we're not we don't have like journalistic integrity to have to go live with certain stories. You know, yeah. it's not like our, you know, journalistic duty sometimes, but it you want to share. But then, you know, same for me, like, you know, I have a business partner. So like, I want to talk about everything that's happening at Kokomo, but I also want to respect like him and mm-hmm. um, my team. And, you know, there's so many more layers to everything and like how it impacts different people. So yeah. And like, yeah, even yeah, like with my on TikTok that share things about like their co like their employees or their coworkers, yeah. or like, I, I always think about this when a, when a girl shares um, about a, a best friend breakup on TikTok and it go and it uh. usually goes viral the chances of your ex best friend seeing that are so high, especially because it usually gets reposted on Instagram. And I yeah. always think about it, like how weird would it be to watch your ex best friend talk about your friendship to millions of people? Well, and it's in writing too, right? Like I think yes. about think about all the things like like so Alex and I have like done a lot of writing classes together, and like so many of the things we've written about could be really amazing stories to share with the world. Yes. But like I always think about you know, how is someone else going to interpret this? Because it's my narrative of what happened. And Mm -hmm. so my thing I'm trying to take into it now is like really focusing on myself and my own experience and like portraying the other person in a very objective way, because I think it's just, it's really easy to like. And even that is so it's so you think you're being objective, but you're not always like, I just heard that um, it got sent to us through our writing class, that um, article about on the cut of, um, this couple yes. that almost went through a divorce and then they got back together and I read the piece and I thought it was amazing. And then you go through the comments and a lot of people were like, she is not like, I wish I heard more of the husband. She's not doing her husband's mm-hmm. side, any justice in the story. And that's not, but like, I also read. it's her story, right? I know, I know. it's hard. It's, re- it's a really hard, complex thing to navigate online. And it's why I, my, my, and I, Liz, I don't know if you feel the same way, but where I've landed is it's okay to talk about your experience, but really those like personal stories I'm like saving for a book. Like, cause I yes. feel like at least then it's like this, it's not private, obviously it's, it can be public information. It can get shared, whatever. But then I, at least I feel like a book is like this tangible, like private yes. space still where you have to totally actively, do you know what I'm saying? It just feels different. It, it- it feels more like sacred. Like there's yes. something about like a, a link to like an article that feels kind of like ick. Like yeah, the- it feels more gossipy, more yes, just like, yes, oh, anyone exactly can share it. it. They can take ownership of it. Whereas a book is like you've packaged it and you put a bow on it and it has your name on it and it's yours. And someone well, else like purchase it and be invested exactly. in that entire story. 
on that note, I do have to say one thing that you did a really great job sharing, and I'm so happy that you talked about this, was your um, like breastfeeding weaning journey. Mm-hmm. You were the first person that I ever saw talk about it. And it was, again, you were just like a blueprint for me. And I didn't know I'd go through that, but I had never even heard anyone talk about it, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, just like a year later, or maybe not even like, I'm basically going through it right now. I am, I then started to experience the same thing. And mm-hmm. I would love to just talk more about yeah. that because I actually haven't really shared much about my journey as well on this podcast. Um, but yeah, I really when appreciate you that you... So I stopped. (laughs) Oh, I love it. uh, We I stopped breastfeeding like in the fall, so around September, and I feel yeah, my hormones have just like gone nuts. And it's funny because like when I was in it, I hadn't I didn't put two and two together. Like Mm -hmm. I was just like all over the place. I was like had so much anxiety. I was second guessing everything. It was at the same time as I was also working a lot more and like kind of returning to work, and. It's weird because even as I'm talking about this, I'm like, can't even remember everything. But what's still lasting with me is I have like crazy vertigo. Um, So yeah, so I still like I can walk like I can walk fine now. And like, I don't get it when I'm walking. But if I like go to lie down or I go to stand up, it's like I have to like literally put my hands on the ground and like feel the ground before I do that. This is where we have to talk about that. I've like I've never I've never heard about that like post weaning, but I feel like there's probably all sorts of symptoms that women like aren't correlating to weaning because yes. it's such, it's such an intense, like, I feel like you, you talk about, um, not breastfeeding and it's kind of this cab, like discussed in this cavalier wave, just like, Oh, you just do it. And, yes. um, and the reality is like, um, well, first of all, just like you, I didn't have, I didn't have the language for it, nor did I know like what was happening. I just, I know that I was really happy in motherhood. I was, I had a really easy breastfeeding journey outside of the fact that I breastfed with one boob for almost a year and my boobs were entirely lobsided. Um, (laughs) You you also shared that. It's weird how I know like, yeah, quite in uh, intimate details about that. Katie's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) I've seen them. I would send photos to my friends of my boobs and it would be like basically like one non-existent boob and I would like put like emojis on my nipples and my (laughs) other nipple like returned to its normal size and this was just like a pizza pie of like a Pamela Anderson, (laughs) like one boob. I, I would, love like, it. Ha- add like little emojis and send it to my friends. I don't know if they like appreciate it, the artistic vision. Oh, <laughs> you can send those things to me. I would love it. No, but you know what? It's funny because even as you say that, I'm realizing that I, on this podcast, I only really talked about the physicalness. So even just now, the first thing I went to was vertigo and it's like the physical, but actually like I spent like I mean, I still like just last week cried about it. Like mm. I'm still like mourning the loss of it. Like I could cry about it right now. Like I, I miss it so much. I just read this book. I'm sure you've read it as well, Liz. What's it or um, Alex? What's it called, Liz? The motherhood book that we just read. Um, uh, no, it's called. Um, I don't think Alex has read it. It's called. Oh. And, and then we had everything. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll send it to you, Alex. Okay. It's like a. It's a memoir. Um, it's a this woman who writes for refinery 29 romper all those places and she her and her husband got pregnant like accidentally um and before she was really ready like in her career in her life to have a child and they went forward with it and um she really just like captures some of those like feelings 
of early motherhood in like such like a way that I haven't seen before. Ish, it's um, just it's re- it feels like just real. real. Like I don't even feel like it's anything exceptional to be honest. No. It's just like if I was to write a book about my first year, that's exactly like her stories are exactly how mm-hmm. I, I I felt. I feel like they're ex- the exact conversations I had with my friends. Um. So yeah, okay, I want, it, it's I want weird. To go back to what you were saying about weaning and it not being physical because that that is the biggest thing that's not being talked about when it comes to weaning. So okay, so long story short, I suddenly I'm in a dark, dark place. And I just I like no joy. I mean, joy with my daughter. And like, I still was like giving everything to her. But as soon as she was down for nap, it was just like, just like I yes. And you also talked about no motivation. Yeah. And at that point, and that's how I shower. I couldn't I mean, I, I'm not someone who's easily prone to depression. It really isn't something I experienced. And I only experienced it when my dad died and then during my postpartum experience. But for me, like with Liz, it was a much more delayed postpartum depression Mm -hmm. because again, even that topic is only talked about like within the first six weeks, the first few months. And that's like what we're talking about. But you're postpartum forever. And I think basically what I think about weaning and postpartum depression is like what we're not talking about is the spiritual side of motherhood. We focus so much on the physical and even like the emotional burdens, but not we don't we don't ever view motherhood as this spiritual journey. And I think that is what's so missing in our society. So specifically when it comes to weaning, birth is when you are first separated from it's your first separation from you from mom and child that is like when you split so think about birth I mean regardless if you've had a positive birth experience it's it's intense there's a lot of emotions you're happy you're sad like every emotion in between and sometimes I think postpartum depression specifically can be attributed to the fact that there's nowhere to release and express these emotions there's Mm -hmm. no in in indigenous cultures, like there was there was rites and traditions around like the spirituality of motherhood. So then at six weeks, for example, or I think it's six or eight, eight weeks postpartum, you wrap your stomach and you do like this whole ceremony. Like imagine if you had whatever, five to ten women in your living room at that time where they're like asking you about your feelings, you're journaling, you're crying, like you would you would be able to release and we don't have mm. a safe space anywhere like i was thinking about okay if i actually had that would i even be comfortable to release in front of women like that because to me even though i that is something that i crave so much mm-hmm. being that vulnerable in a female setting like is so foreign to me is so foreign to 99% of women that it would mm-hmm. e- even like be near impossible to allow myself to really be held by a group of women and by other mothers, specifically being held by older women, which for me, like would bring up like my trauma, my own trauma with my mother. And anyways, Mm -hmm. there's this whole uh, dynamic of motherhood that's like missing, which is these traditions that we no longer have. And when it comes to weaning specifically, that is our second separation. It is. So women who, uh, who birth and then immediately wean, like let's say within the next month or two, you're dealing with two pretty intense separations back to back. And again, I always think about, okay, did you experience postpartum depression a few months later? Because the reality is, and it's not about you, I'm not saying this as like, you need to breastfeed longer. It's just more of 
being aware that these are intense experiences. You just went through two intense separations back to back. And I think for me with the weaning, like, because I weaned at 20 months, I never considered it. That's, I never considered like the spiritual component Mm -hmm. of that separation, you know? The grief piece around breastfeeding is actually, you're like connecting some dots for me because I think like, I obviously like grieved the ending of breastfeeding like much earlier, but I feel like if I like look back at like the trajectory of like my first experience of postpartum, like it really was at its worst when I stopped breastfeeding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a whole, obviously like, and then, you know, there's people talking there, you know, there's doctors and midwives talking about this, about the hormonal shifts Mm -hmm. that happen when you wean, which is great. And I think it is really important to talk about hormones. I'm not denying that. Also, yeah, there's a whole component of like physical, like physically how we're taking care of ourselves within motherhood. That's like really, no one's like making us bone broth. No one's making us Mm -hmm. Mm like No one's taking care of the mother while we mother. And that is, that is what's causing so many of these issues. We don't have a grandma, an auntie coming in every day. That's like, there to support, like there to feed us emotionally, spiritually, and physically. You know, the, she's that role doesn't exist, and we're just dealing with this on our own. And we're like, oh yeah, I have postpartum depression, and I feel sad, yeah. and I feel darkness, and and we're all we're even though I'm happy, we're talking about it more. We're not actually like getting to the root of the problem. Like we've we've almost yes. in talking about it more, like normalized it as though it's like a normal part of motherhood I, to- I totally like agree with you of like uh like a very fucked up society yeah it's like where is like the root cause and like I like we were talking about this last week with like why are we not sent home with like the Chinese herbs we need to like balance our hormones hormones like I'm not saying like why are we not sent home with Zoloft but what I am saying is like why are we not sent home like just being more aware of these things like when you stop breastfeeding like you might experience this like rapid shift like that could affect your mood I just feel that that's not there so yeah I see what like I hear what Alex is saying it's like okay there's the physical okay cool Mm -hmm. you stop which also has a dotted line to the hormones which Alex you say that people are talking about it and I think because that's in your world and you're researching it and it's Mm -hmm. your algorithm I don't even think people are talking about Mm -hmm. that like personally and then there's the other bit which is spiritual and I yeah like the I don't know I feel like no one's talking about any of these things like at all like I feel like even with my friends they're just like yeah I stopped breastfeeding and so I'm like okay but did they just not are they less sensitive like did they just not have this feeling that I'm going through spiritually and also hormonally Mm -hmm. like it's it's really interesting to me but and I think it's not even on the doctors and maybe you know this is my own issues but I actually do blame like our mothers and our aunties and people Mm. like that because I'm like that's actually like on you like you should be showing Mm. up and asking me like oh you just stopped breastfeeding and not letting me finish and not letting me just say that sentence oh yeah I stopped breastfeeding last week like Mm. like I actually would like sit on the phone with my therapist and cry the entire hour like I'm still crying about it like I just like yeah it was like a death like I was fully Mm. like grieving Mm -hmm. stopping breastfeeding like it was like it's like it's I miss it so much Mm -hmm. and I wasn't anticipating that. And yeah, like how come our 
mothers and how come we're not calling each other? I mean, Liz, you did talk to me on the phone crying like every single day, but like, how come we aren't calling each other and being like, Hey, like, how are you actually? Don't just say you stopped breastfeeding, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm mean, <laughs> sorry. I'm, no. I've made some silence. Oh, I, no, I just want to, I just want to like, just take a moment to like, like honor what you said, because that is it. It, it, it is a death, you know? And mm-hmm. there is no funeral. There is no one giving you a speech about how great you've done, about the accomplished. There's no space for you to cry. And a therapist, yeah. great. I'm so happy we've normalized therapy, but it is not what mothers need, you know? Yeah. We need we need community. And community isn't even our friends. Like I I just wrote about this, but I actually don't fucking need my friends. My friends are nodding along about the madness that is motherhood and they get it. And that is so liberating that they understand what I'm going through and that I understand what they're going through. But that is not what I am craving. Like what I am craving is for a wise woman to come and braid my hair and tell me everything's okay. Yes. Making me like this amazing soup that's like healing my body and healing me spiritually mm-hmm. somehow. And just, I, I think that is part of the problem is this, there's been um, a severance in the like intergenerational bond of women. And I, yeah. you know, I blame boomers a lot, but then when you actually break it down, they, when you look at the history of birth and the history of all these topics we're talking about, they were stripped, literally stripped by the medical system of their power. Mm -hmm. We have fully given our authority over to the system. And that is, that is like, we talk about the root cause of all of this. That is it Mm -hmm. is we Mm -hmm. as mothers, like no longer are looking inward or towards each other. We are looking outwards, usually like a male dominated system that like does not fully understand women definitely doesn't understand mothers. And mm-hmm. that, that, you know, it's, it's impossible for our mothers and our aunties and our, even sometimes our grandmothers to provide that for us. Mm-hmm. They were stripped from that, from that, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like I know my, you know, my mother wouldn't have had that. So yeah, it's true. Like it, it started, with them or before them yeah Yeah, and even in many ways like we are changing like what our daughters are gonna be doing mm -hmm. with their kids you know and that it it makes for a really um isolating journey for us because we have to be the leaders and no and we have to hold our daughters and no one is holding us you know and we have to find it within ourselves to like yeah to I mean to me to me motherhood is radical like you are fight you you know you know how people say like doctors don't listen to women it is the same thing with pediatricians not listening to mothers but we don't view it that same way i think that is these conversations are coming but it's all the same system you know it's all the same mm-hmm. um i don't know i'm like i'm not finding the word but it's all the same like evil really of yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we internalize yeah. it and think it's like us. We're doing something wrong. Of course. Yeah. So do you think and do you think it's that system why there is this subset? There's a category of women who literally are like, yeah, I just stopped breastfeeding or like, oh, yeah, I just did this. And like they just seem to get on with it. Like, well, I don't I don't want to like down anyone like I don't I don't want to make any statements about anyone's journey because what's hard for you is not going to be hard for me. And we all have like 
Yeah. So is that what it is? Like it isn't hard for them. Like that's what I'm trying to. It could be, but I also feel like a lot of women are completely out of their bodies in their mother, mother. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And maybe, yeah, it's funny because, you know, now my friends, some of my new friends are, or not new friends, like some people are now having children um, that hadn't had them before I had them. I don't know why I'm explaining this so weirdly, (laughs) but um, (laughs) some of my friends are having children and I almost am like, it's hard not to, I'm trying to support them yes. and trying to be really mm-hmm. real and being like, oh, I was there. Like, oh, it was really dark. Mm-hmm. You know, all these yeah. things um, without projecting onto it's them. So Cause it really, it's really like, hard. Ha- and like, so how do you support? <laughs> What's that? You got to bite your tongue. It's really hard because. But then you want to be like, okay, but I want you to know this is a safe space. And like, yes. And but trying so, okay, to create so the, the conversation. Of that is I, all I heard on social media and my friends was that the fourth trimester was going to be hell. That was, yeah. you know, you your birth is going to suck. You're not going to be able to stand. You're like, it's going to be hell. And you're going to be like, I, the stories I heard about the fourth trimester were so intense that I was like over prepared for it. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I, you and Katie actually, Katie was the uh-huh. same way. Over, yeah. I think you were over prepared. Yeah, yeah. But to be honest, I was prepared on paper. But you, yeah. there's no way to no. Be of course, and I'm not. I'm not implying that there weren't like learning curves. But for me, my fourth <laughs> trimester was amazing. Like I, and I feel like this weird sense of like. I mean, a shame is maybe a little intense, but like, I can't really honestly say that because it's so different from how mm-hmm. most people are introduced to motherhood. And it just wasn't my experience. Now, come like nine months is like when usually everyone talks about how it's so much better. And that is like when I was going through such a hard time. So, and no, none of my friends at like nine months went through that. So sometimes yeah. I feel like, yes, they helped me prepare, but I went through like a completely different experience than them. I didn't experience it like post-birth. I experienced it like way later. Well, and it's Mm -hmm. very lonely, right? That's how I felt when it like came back because what I was seeing from the outside was like, you know, living in Canada after a year, everyone's going back to work and some people are even talking about having another baby Mm -hmm. or they're like figuring out childcare. And I was like, I can't even like get out of bed. Like it just felt, and I think that's the hard part is that like, everyone's journey is so different there is I think you're right that there is like a lot of normalcy now around like or this postpartum right away like you can just envision it right like everyone's just like yeah the fourth trimester you're not gonna sleep and like you're in a diaper you're (laughs) yeah and it's true if in some way but I think I think that um yeah there's not a lot of like representation of when it goes on the other thing that I just want to circle back to which I think is really interesting is when you said if I was in a room of women, like my friends, and we were wrapping our bellies, would I feel like I could mm. be really honest? And I, <laughs> I, I actually like, and I think I'm a very open and honest person. Oh. But there's <laughs> something to do with like motherhood that I feel like when in contact with other moms, there is this like desire to be like, I'm okay, mm. it's okay, and I think it's easier for me to share now because I'm outside of it. And that's what I struggle with is like, no one is coming and like writing a piece for Vogue or doing a viral TikTok video when they're literally like, I don't think I'm going to make it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we, we, we share when we're outside, when it's done. And it's really hard to share when you're like in it, in it. And even to your point, not even on TikTok, but even with your close friends, like I have such a hard time saying 
I'm not okay when I'm actually not okay. But when it's like two months later, I can call up my close friends and be like, yeah, that was a really hard time, you know, and then talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, again, it it kind of goes back to the same thing that I was saying about like um, what's been taken from our mothers and grandmothers and how it impacts us. It's the same thing with our friendships. There's a, a, there's been a severance of like our sisterhood, you know, and I'm Mm -hmm. an open book. I share everything with my friends, but it is still very different thinking about like how I let other women support me. And I think because I had Rocky in Sedona, which is like a super hippie spiritual place, it was so hard for me to sometimes be, you know, around those type of women because they, they like being held by other women is their language. That is like, Uh that is how they operate. And yeah, it's, um, it's, it's very interesting about, you know, my best friend, and I barely even like hug, you know, I know, <laughs> like, I know. High five a, each other. <laughs> it's a weird thing. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it's really tricky. And then you also don't want to project, but I mean, even just thinking back to like when I was really in the depths, I think the fact that Katie was not a mom yet herself mm. made it easier for me to allow her to support me Mm, because you weren't like yeah comparing or anything no I was like not that I I was just like she's just here and she can there's no judgment there's no like she's literally just a body here who wants to like support me not like Uh there's just like a month and a half ago I I was in my first trimester I had COVID I had a toddler that I had to take care of that's not in school she's at home with me and Kevin was out of town for work and I still don't understand why I didn't text any of my friends that are here to be like, Hey, this is a 911 situation. I need help. Can you take Rocky to the park for a couple hours? Cause I'm like, I was like barely, I do not recommend COVID in your first trimester with a toddler. Um, But I've, I've really been thinking about this. Like we want the village but even when we have access to it, even though it's like not perfect, mm-hmm. at least for me, like I'm not reaching out when I actually I need it, you know? And so, and I, and I have it here. I have like two women, two close friends that would watch, they would drop everything to watch and to help me. And I'm mm-hmm. not allowed, like when I'm really going through it, I'm not like allowing myself that support. And that that's fucked up. <laughs> I know. I know. It's very strange. And I think it's, I mean, we could like analyze for a million years why as women, we like don't ask for help and, you know, don't like raise the white flag. And I just, yeah, I mean. Well, I think there's a part of us that's internalized. Like I'm going to do this on, like, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to do this. And we, Mm -hmm. we, viewing motherhood as a communal thing and raising children as a communal thing is so not, it's so foreign to our society, but we think we're, we're supposed to be our kids 100% everything 100% of the time. And that is like, number one, not how kids are supposed to be raised, but also like not how we're supposed to mother, you know, and it's not, it's not about like needing breaks. Like sometimes I'll have a sitter come or, um, or a friend come and watch Rocky. And it's great. I love the like break, but it's not healing what I think a lot of moms need, which is like, I want more people raising my kid with me. You know, Uh I totally agree with you. Like this idea of the like mom moon, like I've seen people writing about it. I'm like, 
yeah, like I would die for that. But I know that right now in this like world, it would feel weird. Mm -hmm. But I will say there is like, um, like my friend and I call it like communal parenting. Like there's just something so nice about like having a couple of friends over, everyone brings their kids and we just like do life with our kids there. And all the hard shit feels less hard when you have like someone present with you. And like, you can just kind of like give yourself permission to like, let's be honest, just like ignore our kids for a little bit. Let's just talk, catch up. They can be kids. Like I also feel like in addition to like this pressure to be like the one and only so independent, there's also like so much pressure to be so involved as mm-hmm. a parent. Like all the like, like upper kids' asses. Like oh Montes- Montessori activities and make sure you're like, I don't know, giving them like it's with everything with food with that. It just I don't know. It's I the whole like parenting expert thing like there's it's just it's so much pressure. I feel like yeah. millennials have it so hard, whereas boomers were just like. Like if I talk to my mom, Keep she's like, alive. yeah, she's I like, I gave you macaroni every night for my mom like that. <laughs> yeah, about totally. that like, I imagine Rocky. I was so young. I was like seven. I imagine like sending her like a like four blocks away to go get me a pack of cigarettes. Like, I I could never. I would be like terrified she's going to get kidnapped. Like there would be like so many. Of course. Going yeah, on. you'd be so ashamed. You would have like, yeah. But I think the oh. parenting books too is like, an, it's another example. And this is, this is coming from someone who's probably read every single parenting book out there. Um, I think it's like another way that we give up our power as mothers. It's like another way that we're looking to the outside instead of like to really taking authority of our own intuition. And Mm -hmm. I think when moms think about things that they would do differently in their journey, and this comes up a lot when people have like their second kid is a lot of times it's like situations where they didn't trust, they didn't follow their intuition, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not actually like, Oh, I would um, have blackout curtains. I mean, yes, there's like a, part of those kind of like, you know, more tangible things of I learned a lot, like being a first time mom. But I think the things that mothers regret long term are the moments when they suppressed and ignored their intuition. And that is like the most powerful force. And we have no examples of it. Again, going back to like, the aunties and the grandmothers, like we're not surrounded by women who are in their bodies and who are leading a life by following their intuition as like a main pillar in their life. You know, we're just Mm-hmm. We're all we're all surrounded by each other in the society where we're like it's it's just normalized constantly looking outside of ourselves and like looking towards like I'll call it the system to parent mm-hmm. and to mother and I just I feel like that the the parenting books are like another thing where that's like we're giving up yeah. our power. I know. So okay, so you're pregnant. I don't even know if we've actually talked about it and told people you're pregnant on this pod yet, but you're p- pregnant mm-hmm. and you're due in July. How many so, weeks are you? Twenty something. I'm eighteen weeks. I this is like the thing that's so different about how being like I could tell you the hours I was pregnant, <laughs> and totally. the other day someone asked me, and I I genuinely didn't know if I was fourteen, fifteen, or sixteen weeks I was like oh I love that somewhere around there (laughs) okay so I was gonna say what like what are you taking differently into this Mm. second journey and yeah what are you doing differently or what are you doing the same okay so going back to Sedona I was I Rocky was born in like this very hippie spiritual I mean we, we just came back there for two weeks so it just makes me laugh like being like this is where she was born because you know people aren't wearing shoes and 
I mean, it's like, it's like the type of life I want to lead and I'm very inspired by like the super hippie life, but, um, just being back there was just, you know, it is also hilarious to be around those people, you know, but yeah, I remember your content from the time and it was so special. And like you, I think that that's where you first kind of learned about like Earthside parenting or whatever. And they had talked to you, oh, you're going to be her Earthside parents. And I just like, I had learned about all that through you essentially. Yeah. I mean, that's I where was, you, that's where you became Mama Moon. It is where I became. <laughs> okay. Just, people don't know that I call myself Mama Moon. My husband's friends call me Mama Moon. I'm not like, it's not like a title I'm putting out there myself, but, um, but anyways, she was born in this like very hippie spiritual community. And so I was surrounded by women who led with like that intuition that I'm talking about. And so that gave me so much permission to like to really check in with myself. Like every single thing I did, I would ask myself, well, why? Like even when I would get advice from my friends, even what very well-meaning advice, I would not to them, but I would question it. Well, why are we doing that? If a pediatrician mm-hmm. said something to me, I'd be like, well, why? I would I would never allow someone to like override like how it felt in my body. And that was because mm-hmm. I was surrounded by women who that like that was their norm. And for me, that, that was like a very foreign concept. I really had to like train myself to mother that way. Um, but, but so because of that, I feel like I wouldn't do a lot of things differently, like with my second kid. Um I feel like the things I did with Rocky, I would copy again. The things I would do really differently are less about like mothering and more about like how I take care of myself. Mm. And like, it took me so long to admit to Kevin, like, I'm, I'm go, I'm going, I'm fucking going through it and I need help. And he's not like an out to lunch, like partner or dad. And I feel like this is like, what's so hard to talk about because on TikTok, a lot of times I see like moms expressing like um, complaints about their partners. And I'm, I haven't vacuumed in 10 years. Like I, I have a very supportive partner. He also has been able to see me be a stay at home mom. So he like sees, especially when she was younger, he could see and hear what a day sounded like. And he never, ever, ever thought I was like on vacation or like you know, like, mm-hmm. it was like how you said, like having croissants with my baby every day. <laughs> yeah. I did definitely have lots of croissants, but, um, but so I, I feel, I always like felt really lucky and like indebted to him. Like he's working, I'm a stay at home mom and this is my job. And it is like my duty to do this like 24 seven. And I, 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 again, it's not cause he imposed those ideals on me. It's just something I took on. And I think that's like why I also had delayed postpartum depression is because I was doing way too much, taking way too much on and not being honest about like what, yeah, what my limit was. And I think you love your kids so much, you give so much. And I think one, the the main thing I've learned in the last like three years is like you, and it's so cliche, but so cliche, but it's true. Like you have to fill your own cup because otherwise you're Mm -hmm. useless to your kids. Um, and I think part of that, like really is about being, having these like very hard, transparent conversations with your partner about how you do this together. And I think we Uh don't talk about those like hard conversations you have with your partner enough, you know? Uh Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like I do. I feel like I did have them because I, well, I don't know. Like when I'm just in it, it like bubbles over. Do you know what I mean? Like I... 
I'm almost impressed that people don't have them because I feel like I can't help but have them. I'm like, hello, like we're in crisis mode. Like, like okay, but when you're both okay for for me, the hard thing was his his career like took off when Rock was about one, and mm, so it was okay. this like the hard thing was like I saw what he was going through because he works from home. So I saw mm. what his day was like. He saw what my day was like, but he wasn't being supported. I wasn't being supported. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like anybody's fault necessarily, but that's like, we went through a pretty hard time last year because yeah. we were adjusting to like the demands of his work, which were like insane. And then the, just the demands of motherhood doing it in isolation with no village. And, um, yeah, that was like, <laughs> that was really hard. And I don't yeah. really like identify with a lot of um, conversations about how kids impact marriage because a lot of times the dad is just like so out to lunch and that's mm-hmm. not the case with my husband, but there's still like moments that he just does not understand um, what it's like as a mom. And there's things that I don't understand about like the pressures that he faces about like supporting our family and whatnot. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's funny because I never, I thought I wouldn't resonate with those conversations about how children affect marriages. Cause again, I like knew going into it, I was going to have as 50% of a, you know, I knew I was going to have this like very fair level of parenting between the two of us, but and and maybe even he's actually probably more even like 75 and I'm 25, like he's doing it all. But I didn't realize like, yeah, the emotional, like what that would actually feel like. And I actually do, I did start to resonate with that. Like I, I didn't think I would like resent him and all this, but I just emotionally, like I just did. I was like, you're, it just, it is not 50% because you just are the dad and biologically it's just different. Mm-hmm. And I did resent him that he, cause it just worked out for us that, or not even worked out, but it just was the way it fell that it made more sense for him to be working and me to be looking after the child for the first mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And so I resented him for working cause I was so, I was jealous. I wanted and I was helping him with like his decks and his presentations and I was like I'm good at this like I want to be doing this you know yeah yeah and yeah sorry there he's literally coming in right now from music school with the with CJ <laughs> so I even though like, this wait, is alive, I, I still <laughs> I still feel weird talking with the door closed <laughs> no, no but, um, but no and he knows too. about all this but it, it's yeah like I I didn't think I'd resonate with that narrative. And yet, and even though that really wasn't like your classic narrative, like I have a very involved human. He was at music school right now and Mm -hmm. the child's a year and a half years old. But I, yeah, I did on some level. The 50-50 thing is like, it's just a lie. It doesn't exist because number one, like just the physicality of motherhood, birth, all that, like a man can't, Yes, you know, it's it's just not, you know, they, they will never understand. Like even if you have the best partner he like he will never ever ever understand um and what our midwife shared with us which has really been especially the first three years of your kid's life is hi baby sorry no i love it (laughs) but it's so much it's um so the first three years of your kid's life is so much more like dependent on mom than on dad and that's just i'm seeing it now that rocky's three 
the way she goes up to Kevin is like not it like never really happened before. Like we are now mm-hmm. like in right. 50 50 state with her. But the first couple right. of years, it was not like that because also breastfeeding and it just. Yes. Breastfeeding is such a big part of that. Yeah, yes. he, he doesn't have a boob that it's yeah. milk. A boob. I mean, you just only one had boob-boob. one, but it still was one more than he had. I just honestly, you describing it as a pizza pie has really resonated. It's really stuck in my brain. <laughs> yeah. And they're coming back now. Oh my God. My boobs have like tripled in size. It'll be interesting if like they both work this time. Oh no, I'm, I'm making both work. Like, was oh, it just okay. like one wasn't producing or it was a user? Just, no, it was we user were, error. We were in Mexico and we were there for a couple months and, um, I had food, po- like, yeah, I had food poisoning. It was like a really bad situation and I was still breastfeeding at night. And basically I just forgot to switch sides. You know, you're supposed to yeah. do that. And yeah, I didn't yeah. do it for a month. And basically I spent, I spent probably a good two months trying to get it to even out. Wait, why didn't you do it for a whole month? Oh, because I like I you forgot for a whole month when we were in Mexico. I was just I I had what's called like Montezuma revenge, and I was right like, yes. TMI, but I was literally if you know out you of know. my fucking asshole and like breastfeeding and like it was just like, and you just kept going to the left one. I just thinking. was asleep. I just was asleep, and she okay. was just like I would just lift up my t shirt. Gotcha, and just not gotcha. Think because I was so exhausted, <laughs> and we were co sleeping, so it was it was like the only way I could get sleep. I would just like kind of half lift up my sh- my shirt uh-huh. just, yeah get out of my right and my left got ignored <laughs> and then I was left with one boob for 11 months and I made it Good. work wow yeah. I'm impressed I got yeah, body work then after when we went back to Sedona and she was like your whole body is I bet excited. I bet so I guess we can add that to the list of things you'll do differently this time around no that yeah. is I, I didn't want to like talk about it again but that is like the main thing that I'm going to be doing differently oh my god yeah I mean we we just confirmed this morning that Katie's nipples now turn upwards again um hers yes. were, hers were flapping they down were looking downward for yeah yeah like mine was time. like doing like the okay because my boobs went back to normal like I, that was like a big fear of mine is just mm. what's gonna happen how are they gonna be saggy and I still had like perky like okay I also have like small boobs so I think that's also like you know maybe easier than having like big boobs but mm-hmm. my nipples were like these like sad v yes that like yes fold and like when I would take my bra off like I yes. I couldn't like just allow Kevin to take my bra off because I kind of had to like adjust. You had to my fluff them a bit, give them a little fluff. Yes, <laughs> like a pillow, like a goddamn pillow. You yes. had to like floof put them. them in place. You need now to, like, even place now them. being pregnant. I just man, it's just it's so different being pregnant the second time because you're a little bit less in like wow the magic mm. of like yeah. It's a little bit more like like that you know yeah. <laughs> yeah right it's like yeah and I just look at my boobs and like this morning I was getting ready I was putting on my makeup and I wasn't wearing a shirt and looking in the mirror and my boobs are already like kind of like laying on my t- on my tummy you know and like mm. my nipples are bigger mm-hmm. and I can see remember the veins yeah, yeah. oh yeah right Fucking um you know how your nipples get darker this oh is a yeah I'm story. already there so my nipples were very dark and like in our like prenatal class the teacher was like yeah it's actually like um oh my god the the word is escaping me it's like an evolution thing like it's so your kid can like baby can see and Aaron's like oh he's gonna be able to see this (laughs) (laughs) they were like 
not black, but they were very no, dark. No, especially, I think that's how you can really tell you're about to give birth because even like, the, I think it was like the day before we went into labor, I was like, I already thought they were so dark and I was like, whole, like, what? Like, <laughs> it's, isn't it just so nuts? Um, okay. So question for you, just is Rocky in like organized childcare? Like how do you Oh write? yeah. Can, oh my God. We haven't even dived. I'm dying to know about what your day to day looks like oh, and yeah. yeah, how you write, how you stay creative, how you do all your things. Okay. So long story short, I've, I've, I've tried multiple, like basically, basically I'm trying to figure out, are we going to homeschool or are we like, un- mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure, I'm going down the path of like unschooling. Um, so what I'm hearing is you're on TikTok and scrolling and trying to, <laughs> trying to learn. To be fair. <laughs> no, to be fair, I've been like reading and learning about this for a long time. And I do follow a lot of people that are doing like the homeschool. And the thing I'm like not sure about is like, and this is like, again, like what I've really like learned is like being honest with myself of like what I'm capable of. And- well, I was going to say like, yeah, like homeschooling sounds amazing, but then that means that I'm a teacher. Do you know yeah, what I mean? And, and that's okay, not my dream. The thing is, it goes back to like, I don't believe I'm supposed to be her everything. Like that is something mm-hmm. that is so crystal clear in my mind now. But also I think when I look at like the homeschool moms I follow that I'm like really inspired by, they just like naturally, they're like that, you know, they're, they're, they're like little fairies. They're like, you know, and I'm not like that. I'm not like a crafty, like person. I I don't come up with like ideas, like even cutting like a heart for Valentine's day is like, I don't know. I'm just like, not, that is not one of my skills to be like, let's, let's paint the leaves and like build like a fort for the fairy. Like I have to see it or my friend has to tell me about it or I have to read about it. And then I can do it, but I don't, I can't come up with those ideas myself. So anyways, I, I don't, um, like a lot of this, like we've tried a few schools. I have like a lot of, yeah, I don't, I don't like a lot of the things around it. And Mm -hmm. I have found schools that I love, but they're just unfortunately not in our like location. Um, Mm -hmm. so my routine with her right now is I have a sitter come twice a week, um, and that's been great. That's like basically how I get, like how I take a writing class and I always like plan it around those times. And then um, I really like relied on my daughter's godmother lives in town and she has a special day with her where they like go see horses. And so I'm trying to like introduce this like concept of like, okay, she has like, it feels like she has a second mom that's like doing fun. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And, and Yeah, I think that's like also like kind of what we're talking about, like having your friends take your kids like that, you know, and it's hard because our friends are have kids and I'm lucky that she doesn't have any kids. And so she loves being around Rocky. But I like if my friends close, if my friends with kids live close by, I'd be like, drop them like every Friday, drop them off and we'll have like a party or something, you know, but Mm -hmm. um that's kind of that's kind of our routine right now. I don't know if I answered your like. Okay, so yeah. I hear that, and I'm like, you only have a babysitter twice a week. Like, how are you just sitting here glowing and smiling? Like, I am. Girl, you. Should I don't know. Me. I'm impressed. No, no, no. I first of all, I put on makeup for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you look great. Um, but um, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard. It's especially now that I. 
especially now that I want to do something else, it's, it's this past month has been more challenging because I think before it's like, I am getting enough. Like she takes, she still takes almost like a three hour nap every day. So I'm like getting what I need. Um, okay. She's napping until she's 18 too, you know? So like, (laughs) um, when my friends talk about their kids not napping, I like my brain like glitches. I'm like, wait, what? Emmett doesn't nap anymore. And it has like severely like, fucked me no I really well even like you got you talk about a three-hour nap like people talked about that that is also that was my croissant I thought oh okay so my child's gonna sleep from one to four amazing no my child only sleeps like for 50 minutes for his yeah. afternoon nap. And what, what, what can you do in 50 minutes nothing I just clean up from what the hell just happened exactly. this morning. yeah and like <laughs> yeah one breath and then like you hear that he's up and it's over um, no, I'm, and also if she's not sleeping, which sometimes she doesn't nap, she, I'm like very lucky that she does quite, like, she just, I also think I, the difference between boys and girls is yeah. like, I never, yeah. ever believe that to be true. I always made so much fun of people that talked about like that. And I am like very mindful of like, like the whole thing. I have you guys heard about like kids clothing with like the dinosaurs and the unicorns, yes. like, Mm-hmm. Uh, boys clothes are like predators and girls yeah. clothes are prey. so I'm like hyper um a, like uh, aware of those kind of concepts with kids and gender and whatnot but I I never really thought there was a difference between boys and girls and I talked there to my is. who have boys and they're so physical they won't sit still yes and Rocky will literally have a pile of books and she'll just like read them and talk to herself. For, and Kevin and I are just like, this is that's wow. why he only wants girls. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always I was the same about gender. Like, oh, it's all the same. And then I had a child, and I never put a single truck in front of him ever. And he literally is obsessed with all. Yeah, same with Emmett. Like, I yeah. didn't do any of that, and it's just like everything in like there's like this, trucks in his blood. <laughs> yeah, this the, the this room next to me here is like I have to clean it after. There is trucks on literally every inch. <laughs> I'm like, happening? if I step on one more fucking piece of Lego like I'm gonna yeah see for us it's like books she'll have her books like everywhere and it's like oh she's your daughter (laughs) yeah she so is (laughs) yeah but oh my god what if you have a boy what's a good what's gonna happen um, well okay I don't care I really don't care what what it what it is um because we're not we're not finding out gender until like we didn't find out gender with Rocky either and and we Uh really love we really love that experience but I just really want, I, I don't know if I'm like projecting cause I didn't, I don't have a sister, but I really want her to have a sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I feel like if we have a boy, I would probably try to have another one, which is like, that sounds like madness to me having three children, but I, I the desire for her to have a sister is so strong <laughs> that yeah. I think I would have another one. But I can here's see the thing. I'm can. like so close with my brother and my sister. I'm pro- like, I'm, yeah. I don't know. You can be close with all, you know? Yeah. I guess like I'm, I'm so close with my brother. I mean, my brother lives four houses down from me. Like we, and it's, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you can't have that closeness with a brother. Of course you can, but I guess I've just always been so envious. All my best friends have older sisters and I've always yeah. been so envious, even though it sounds kind of fucked up at times too. Like yeah. there's a lot of dynamics, but I've always been so envious of, I don't know, there's something so sweet of like seeing, you know, it's like seeing two girls or two brothers. Like it's like, sorry, two yeah. brothers or two brothers. It's just, I, it's sweet, you know? Yeah, yeah. I hear you. But yeah, you know, yeah. it just, it is what it is. If I'm growing a penis, that's okay. <laughs> 
And there'll be like so many, I'm just thinking of all the like learnings and research and things you will explore if you have a boy. Cause I know so much, it's true. It's a whole new world for you. It's a I, whole new world. Like Kate, I yeah. mean, we like kind of talk about it, but like, how do you raise like a kind, compassionate mm-hmm. That's so boy. much responsibility to have like yeah. a white, a white male under your yeah, household. God, yeah. I, that is a, that's something I really, yeah, I don't, it's I I don't envy because I feel like that's a really hard topic. The problem I think with boy moms is it. We're right here. Tell us what's yeah. What's wrong <laughs> with well, not us. like specifically like the problem with boy moms itself, but I think the pro- sorry <laughs> the problem with boy moms is like at a certain point culture takes over, you know, and I think yeah that is like what must be so hard to like. I was watching this TikTok the. Uh, like these two no these you were talking to a friend see yeah I read an article um three little boys and how the three brothers and how they were talking to I think the oldest was like 10 like eight and six and the way they were talking together they were just so sweet and you know this idea that boys aren't like sweet and nurturing and caring Mm. and then I was just thinking like their their parents their moms are doing like it's such an amazing job raising these kids clearly but then at some point I feel like the hard part has to be like when does like culture take over I mean it's the same conversation with girls too about sex and all sorts of things but I think with boys it's like at a certain point society tells them to like not cry even if you have parents that Uh you know you're raised in a household that isn't teaching those values I think that's like probably what would be the hardest yeah I don't know, you guys yeah I think it's for both genders like I think yeah, yeah, yeah like having it that to me that's like is terrible yeah it's crazy like I yeah. for, for us like um you know with my brother it's actually it's really important to me and my brother and Chris that he is really involved in CJ's life and he is mm-hmm. looked at as like an alternative parent as well similar to um Rocky's godmother and like he you know he's gay he you know he has a he has a long relationship with the man and he he's a therapist and he shows Mm -hmm. up you know not like your typical like you know top really masculine masculine uncle yeah yeah and so I think that's like that makes me feel better Mm -hmm. because and also Chris isn't like that either like I, I think most of the men in my life my dad Chris like these you know some of my best friends they're more they're not like your typical alpha male and so yeah I think that makes me feel better knowing that he is gonna have if he doesn't want to talk to his parents about things he's gonna I he has people around him that I feel really good about him mm-hmm. also going to or learning yeah. from do you know what I mean yeah um, he has, he I don't know that's like the old role models which I think instead of just yeah one, I, I think that's really good yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's like kind of the only thing I have right now. <laughs> like thinking about, I'm like, okay, well, at least it's got Robbie. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's like, I mean, one I think like you said, there's, like, you us. know, for both, gen- there, there's just different, um, there's just different. Yeah, I think, I think we go into it being like, oh, boys and girls are the same. And I think there are a lot of ways they actually are the same that people say they're not, you know, yes. especially mm-hmm. when they're little. Um, but they are very, very different. I like was, and they have different expectations. It's like society's going to have different expectations of them. Going back to like the homeschooling thing. I was like reading this thing or watching a TikTok. who knows, um, about how the first seven years of a boy's life specifically, this goes back to like a lot of the, um, 
Waldorf like philosophy is like so physical and to have yeah. a boy sit in school yeah, eight I read hours a day, like does, does not, I mean, it doesn't make sense for girls either. Like my um, body worker in Sedona is like, that is like when a lot of like menstrual issues actually preemptively mm. start because like girls aren't moving their pelvis in like very formative years. So there's all sorts of fucked up shit with our school system, but mm. I, with boys and like what's happening now with um, giving kids like way, 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 way too many kids. Like I'm not saying like some kids don't need medication, but I think what's happening now is like we're just not looking at the root causes of these things and then just giving a pill to very young children mm-hmm. that, oh, you have you have X, your son can't pay attention, he has X, fill in the blank, and this yeah. medication will help. And I think that is so dangerous because there is this there is this component of our society like that I don't think is like honoring boys and their like need to like be yeah. physical. Wait, that all makes, that's just like kind of connecting the dots for me. Cause yeah, there really is only one way of education. Like there's, you know, there's a few alt ways, but like 99% of school is the exact same way. And that's truly like built off the industrial revolution. And so it is wild. Yeah. And I think about my friend who's a counselor for an elementary school and just the story she has and the cases that she's dealing with. And I'm like, yeah, because maybe this child doesn't suit this way of art, of education and this way yeah. to like go about your day. But if maybe they were in something like Waldorf, they might be able to like move through their energy in a different way and like feel more in alignment with like how they're supposed to be. Wait, it's all like coming together. For well, me. It, it goes back to, okay. And, and this is like why I think motherhood is radical is because we as mothers have to imagine, I believe it is our duty that we have to imagine like a different world for our kids, for their future. And Mm -hmm. the hard part of it is that it starts with us. Like I'm writing Mm -hmm. this piece right now about iPad kids. And the biggest thing that we're not talking about is regardless if you give your kids an iPad or not, it's the parents. We, our generation are addicted to our phones. It is what they are mirroring. And so the school system is the same thing. They are mirroring what their parents are doing, which is sitting in an office for eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. Are we as women meant to work that way? Are men, you know, like we're, we're not having these conversations about like, just like kids. It really very often is like a reflection of what, how we are imbalanced with our own bodies and nature. Mm -hmm. And so the school system reflects the, the, the work system that's not working for mothers for women it's all like uh-huh. in- intertwined you know yeah uh-huh. totally yeah I mean I, I think Aaron <laughs> yeah Aaron said this to me the other day he was like Emmett is like he's like not to like put a lot of pressure on you but Emmett yeah. is a reflection of like everything that we do and everything that we say yeah and I mean, we were trying to look at it in like a positive way because it's also in our power to like shift things. And, but yeah, it is, it is really hard. The the thing about like boys and needing to move, I, that's such a good reminder for me because I find myself feeling so frustrated mm. with Emmett sometimes. And I think my expectations of him like aren't realistic because he's still so much in that stage where like, it's like a, a biological need for mm. him to move. It's not him being like a bad listener or being naughty it's just him being like I have all these like hormones and feelings in my body and like I have to move and process them Mm -hmm. um but yeah it is hard sometimes not to like look at like videos of like little girls like peacefully reading books and being like fuck yeah I had I posted a video a while back like six months ago of Rocky like reading her books um 
and I said something like, if you can't take a like shit in peace, like just know one day this like might be your reality. And then someone commented who I know has a boy and was like, how did you get her to do this? And it made me realize like <laughs> that is, a, you know, it's we're. I felt bad about my post because I, again, I never thought there was like a difference between boys and girls. And then my mom friends would come over with their boys and I just see it. I see it immediately. And how like we have a, everything we have is like white. Our furniture is white. Like Rocky's just, she's, she just listens to those things. The boys are like the way, like I wouldn't be able to have a white couch with a boy. It just wouldn't work. Like if I said, we're not eating strawberries in the living room, like, I feel like it just wouldn't happen. There were, there's like this. Like, this Emmett oh would God. look at you and he'd be like, yeah, get fucking real lady. I'm going to go, I'm going to wipe my boogers and my strawberries all over your beautiful white couch. I will say though, one thing I've noticed with Emmett and I think Katie, this is coming for you. Is that like oh, okay. in a good, no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay. I, he might not like read um, and sit peacefully, but I feel like little boys, like he's really like, he, his attention span has gotten better. So mm-hmm. I've noticed like his whole thing is like he lines up all his cars very oh, meticulously. Oh, yes. I've heard of this. Yeah. And so I find that like that's kind of like when I get my break. That's when I can take Yeah. Shit, when they're like, and that's when you're not supposed to like interrupt them. It's like. Yes. And going back yes. to what you were saying earlier about how we're like up our kids' asses. Like yeah. I see it on TikTok a lot, but like mom <laughs> sharing their morning routine when like I, I one thing I like. T- tell my friends that are new moms a lot is I I kind of like left rock to her own devices in the morning like we always had kind of like a slow morning and like just kind of like let her play and I wasn't it's again it's not that I don't play with her I play with her all the time but in the morning specifically I just kind of let her do her thing and now I mean it's amazing I, I do have to be in a different space I have to be in the kitchen if she sees me like right here. She'll want me to play with her. Yeah. But if I'm like making breakfast, I sometimes like that's when I get writing done. I'll be like in the kitchen writing, having my mm. tea. And I hear her having like these elaborate like experiences with like her magnet tiles cool. and her dino and whatever, you know? Yeah. But I think yeah. a lot of it is like we're I'm not I'm not like constantly like making sure she's like being entertained, you know? Yeah. 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 Which is what we grew up with and like I feel like that's where so much of my creativity came from was like, I would like make like turn my bike into like, which is now looking back, it's funny. I would turn it into like a smoothie machine and I pretend I'm making like blackberry smoothie. You know what I mean? Like, but like, no, like you would just like take ordinary objects and like turn them into like your world, you know? And yeah. And no one would create it any, no one ever created like a PlayStation, like a little station for me to play at. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, okay, like it's playtime, go. Yeah. yeah, Kevin's sick right now, and she like made him this like bowl, and uh, it had like pretend plant medicine in it. And I didn't like; Aww. she was just like by herself in the kitchen, like doing all that stuff, you know. And like, cool. I just oh I feel like a lot of like how we, again, going back to like parents, it's like okay, but can you be still with your creativity and imagination? Yeah. Like, you need to be like on your phone. Like I think about that myself. Like how often do I allow myself to like not be on my phone? to really like just tap into like an imagination, creative energy. It's, it's, you know, it's rare. Cause you're like, when she mm-hmm. naps, like sometimes I just want to zone out mm-hmm. and I'm not allowing myself to do that. But I, especially now that she's three and I think this is like the new phase of motherhood to your point, Liz, what Aaron said, like she's watching everything we're doing. And so mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. instead of like, 
thinking about like, okay, what, what do I want to teach her? Just like remembering that, like what I'm doing that she's watching is probably like more important than like what I'm actually like telling her to do, you know? Yeah. So it's so true. They like pick up on literally everything, which is terrifying. Um, It is terrifying. Okay. So I feel like we could talk for a million years, (laughs) but I know. I think we did talk. Uh, for like, years. It's going to be around 40 minutes and we're like double the time. I, yeah. I know. At 40 minutes, I was like, we haven't even gotten into a single topic that we want to yeah, talk we about. We have not yeah, even scratched the surface. Time. Yeah. I know you're a wealth of knowledge. You're. I know you are a wise woman. Like it's crazy. Yes, oh my God. Okay. Tattoo that on my forehead right now. Oh, well, you are actually in our lot in our episode that's going to go live the week before this, we talk about tattoos and when- <laughs> Katie has very uh, negative not- feelings about tattoos. You have them or no? no? No, no. I'm just grateful I didn't do anything okay, like that to my body at 16. I'm just going to say it no, out there. Kevin I'm very grateful. He doesn't have any tattoos, and he was talking about getting one. And I, I was like, "You're so pure. Like, I, I would be yeah. so upset if he got one because, yeah. And yeah. everyone I know has like tattoos, and I love them. But um, okay, wait. I'm going to ask you this one question, then we can go. Do you? think Liz do you like what would you say if Liz said and she didn't just to preface this but like if Liz said oh yeah I got a tattoo of my initial just a little L on my body like would you think that's kind of weird okay I feel like you're not having as adverse a reaction as me to me I'm like oh my god why would I would never get a K on my body like I think I, I think, can't even imagine I'm, try, I'm trying needing to think that, you actually, needing is, that is this a serious like hypothetical this was a conversation on our last episode where Liz <laughs> said it was between an arrow or the, the over the letter L or the, a letter L and I'm like oh my god and then suddenly she forgot what she got and she said she got a letter L and I was in the middle of saying thank god didn't. you didn't get the letter L but anyways i and she's like, I don't get what's wrong with the letter L. And I can't even put into words what's wrong with getting the letter L. But like, I just think it's... But then I literally proved her theory right. Because I was saying how Aaron has his initials right where I got this stupid and, arrow. And, and guess who's on his ninth laser treatment right now. And it like is not even close. Wait, to, what's how like, many now tattoos you, do you have? Just one. Wait, this, just I feel arrow? like... Just, just, just the arrow. arrow. Just and the arrow. It, she says it I helps have... her point her in the right direction. <laughs> that, that was my my uh, rationale for that's like I yeah, it's so dumb. I got it. In- Is it all you have? No, then I also have this. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Wait, no. That do you see that, that on a... your finger? What does it say? It's just three lines. Yeah. Do you see it? Yeah, yeah. I do. What's the meaning? It's me, my best friend, and her dead cat. Oh, okay, well, I don't hate that. No, I actually wait. Stupid. Just tell me, do you have the letter A on you? No, that those are the okay. only two I have. But I, I think about getting laser on the triangle all the time. I think the reason I don't is because I found out like the triangle is like a feminine symbol, which I didn't know. Um, I wish I did. yeah, but you're like, okay, I'll rebrand this. Yeah, no, I'm really, yeah. yeah. I was like, it's really <laughs> ugly. The lines are so thick. The guy in Vegas told me like this was Vegas, Vegas. of course, thinnest he could do. Obviously, that was a lie. I like the I brought him like Pinterest photos of like thin lines, and he was like, "Those are fake." Like this was like ten over ten years ago, and he yeah. was like, "These are fake. Um, that you can't get tattoo lines that thin." So it's like a really thick, <laughs> ugly triangle. But I feel like I can't quite get it lasered because it's like a feminine symbol, you know. Yeah, I there think you it, go. it still works for you. When you when you showed the three lines, I thought it was um, a mustache. Remember when people used to get mustache yes. tattooed? 
and yeah, it's on like, the wrong side. Tumbler. She'd really have to do oh, yeah. some. She'd yeah. have to do some like Kendall Jenner and cucumber shit to get over there. <laughs> it's very the mustache is very like Tumblr era. I lo- I love that. Like it's like when you yeah. get like the bottom like un- you know tattoo on yeah. your lip. Yeah, yeah. I, um, okay, guys, I gotta cut this off because it's my turn to parent, and see, and Chris needs to get to a workout. So, love ya. Love it was lovely to have you. So great. Let's have you back when you're a mom of two, so we can find out Lord. how that's going. Okay, Check in yes. on you. Hopefully, I won't. Check in on our wise woman. Telling horror stories, but you know, if that's the that's case, okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, you'll it'll come be... with wisdom. I know you will. Yeah, you got it. It's your rite of passage. You got to share with us where Thank you're you at. Thank you guys so much. This was so. I'm. I'm just so honored. You guys asked me. Thank you. Oh, Thanks, Alex. This was amazing. I feel like more wise and smarter, <laughs> and it was great. I really. Yeah, I'm so happy that you were. I'm so happy we were able to like reconnect again. Too. I know. I know. And I'm going to be in Vancouver soon, so then we definitely have to. <gasps> grab okay, let's hang out. We'll go for croissants without our children. Yeah deal deal okay oh, I really love it. the kids Perfect. like selfishly yes. <laughs> okay well okay. Bye. 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 Bye.